All right, all right, all right. Oh, let me actually pull the comms up to maximum so you can actually hear the guest. <laughs> uh, especially as because it's uh, CCP Rice. I don't think I have to introduce them too much. One of my favorite devs, and I'm not, you know, I think I'm speaking for most of the community. The recent changes usually on point. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I have <laughs> some stuff to complain too, but you know, generally yeah, speaking, maybe used to be one of your favorite devs until the last <laughs> few updates. Well, um, you know, you know, with Signal, you you got some, uh, you know, you're in a race. You have to one on one at the sun to decide, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, and also, Isa made it back. The Brötchen has returned. Uh, finally, she could make one. Um, <laughs> so, if you guys have really, really good questions in chat, then you know, she might just bring them up. Other than that, my list is pretty long, so uh, I can't guarantee it. Right, it has to be a good one. Um, so, like, let's let's jump in like right away. You know, let's go. Like, I I think maybe it's best to go with the most recent changes, or maybe with the proposed changes for blobs. Sure. Um, so first of all, like, why would be my 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 big question? Why do you uh, or why did you guys decide? Like blobs need a buff or like a change in any uh, way. Oh, I mean, they've been. I feel like they've they along with navy battleships and I don't know, I don't know what other things are, but they've been sitting a long time without like a proper pass. Like we've, you know, partially included them in some of the random battleship buffs, and they've gotten like incidental buffs from other things. But it's been a long time since they had like a dedicated pass. And um, good timing for it because wanted to do more stuff for hunters, given some of the things that have affected hunters recently. Um, there's actually a few from a few different directions. The covert ops stuff had been popping up, so it was a good like thematic match for that. Um, but we we'd had black ops on the list to get since I don't know since last year or something. It was like part of the original sort of talus list of stuff we wanted to hit. Um, and so it was just a slot that worked for it. Um, yeah. So like the stats and all that stuff, like it's all, I think I didn't see any complaints. I think that was pretty much on point. Like nobody. Yeah, there isn't usually lots of complaints when you just like increase damage. But <laughs> one well, thing I've noticed over the years is if you just increase damage, pretty, everyone pretty much is happy. Yeah, I mean, Unless, not... I don't know. Maybe if I increase like fighter damage or something, there'd be complaints. But for the most part. I think people are just excited when things do more damage. I, yeah, I guess you're and, probably right. But, <laughs> I mean, but... they, that's even true with... Uh, I thought for sure there was like this bug in the implementation for disintegrators on trig ships. Mm. And when we fixed it, it increased their damage. And they were already super strong. And I thought for sure people would be upset about this. And they're like, Very no, like... just, give them, right. just more damage is fine. I you mean... can give them even more if you want. Uh, obviously, I'm a I'm a lover of kickies, right? So uh, mm -hmm. obviously, people would say like, "Oh yeah, obviously you love kickies, so you want more damage and all that stuff." But at the same time, people always have to oh like they complain it's like uh, too much for a tech one destroyer, but you can't really compare those two, right? Like they have a price tag; it's pretty high, and that's the same goes for blobs. Right? I think for blobs, you could double the damage, and people would still be like, eh, it "Might just might just yeah. be a little fishy," but it's a it's yeah. a pretty big risk to fear one, right? And the same for kids, yeah, they die so fast for the price tag that you know you know there's a trade off. 
but sure. there's other playstyles too, right? The solo playstyle, for example, like Kiki's do- would dominate. That's why you don't see them too much, I think, because nobody would engage yeah, but- with Kiki anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the pricing is really important. That was a lot of the, the, I think, more and more, like with both the Marauder Pass and the Black Ops Pass, just looking at what it actually costs to put one on the field and then trying to get a you know, range of stats that seem appropriate based on that. And when you compare, I mean, all that's been reworked, of course, now too, which affects our decisions. But when you especially compare to caps, like the price efficiency on caps especially before the industry stuff but even now compared to the price efficiency on tech 2 battleships is pretty crazy so there's felt like there's room to make them a lot better uh, especially when the survivability is so much worse like if you're willing to put two and a half bill that can't siege and has pretty crappy resists and pretty low hp on grid like you should get something cool for it um yeah yeah i mean the other big reason we wanted to do black ops is this conduit jump thing which um was has been ask. like yeah it yeah it's funny we haven't like kind of told the whole story but i i really and and everyone i talked to both people you know players using the stuff and internally everyone pretty much agrees that the, the kind of base design for bridges is just i just don't like it at all like I, the idea that you would have an aspirational ship in a ship line so like black ops being the sort of peak of kind of covert training and and you know covert jumps and all that and then what it actually is is just a like a an infrastructure piece that's totally risk-free that just grants jump drives to bombers i think is super weak it reminds me a lot of the old um command ship design like the pinnacle of faction warfare one v one is having an alt that grants extra stats to your one v one ship that sits in a pos and can't actually be killed. I think bridges feels really similar to me. Like it, yeah, it's it's very much like it's one of those things. The same for Cyanos, right? That when you go back, it was ridiculous that we could fit Cyanos on everything, right? Yeah, that people need to at first see like yeah, actually that was kind of crazy. You could just like warp in a <laughs> yeah. scepter who's bubble proof and just like light the Cyano, right? Yeah, and uh, and I, I I think that's yeah. true for all bridging, like for certainly for Titans too. Like why is it that one of the most important things it does? You spend you know all you you have the money and you get this big aspirational thing and then it sits in tether and grants a jump drive to your subcap fleet. That's so weird. Like it should be, I think it's weird for a couple, like it's, it's, I think it's unsatisfying, even though it's powerful, it's unsatisfying for the person who gets that ship. Cause they don't get to like put it on a grid. They don't get to Tell me about use it. it really. It's just an alt job. And then I think it's also unsatisfying and sort of out of balance for, the things you get to do with it because you're not risking anything extra. So you just get this big power came with a lot of cost, but it doesn't, it doesn't introduce any extra risk. And, you know, with black ops, I think that's especially pronounced because drops are so powerful just with bombers and recons or whatever, like you bombers, especially because they're so cheap, you can put a ton of power on grid. There's, there's not really any meaningful risk on the black ops side. So as a victim, it feels really hollow. It's like, I got ganked by, jump drive bombers but because they have some black ops somewhere that i'm never going to see and isn't actually part of this engagement so the story though for this update that's funny that people don't know and i'm curious actually what you think about it is we intended to just swap the mechanic to just get rid of bridging and just have conduit jumps and not have bridging at all because not not bridging at all on black ops and not bridging at all 
at all. Like we're Titans we're too. gonna go up to Titans all right, yet. All right, all right, all right. That I, would be a little. I wacky. like that you took the, the the careful step there. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, we took the ultimate careful step because we wanted to just have just the conduit jump because it's like healthier, but it would have turned what should be a hunter buff into a hunter nerf because you would have just had to put a black ops into system every time, no matter what situation it was. And you know, when I talked to most black ops, people I talked to were thought that that sort of made sense. Like it, the, you know, the theory is good, but ultimately it means a whole bunch of added costs to do something that you could do for free already or a bunch of added risk and that would feel pretty shitty so we decided to just give both options what do you think about that (laughs) so i would i would say so first on black ops i think if you would have gone the step further and said okay it's only conduit jumps i think it wouldn't be that that big of a deal because a lot of times you bridge forward and then you kind of want to follow up as soon as possible but you have to wait for the bridge then the covered sign might go down. It's all a hassle. Then your alt dies and, you know, you have to get the new covered sign on a save and all that shit, right? But mm-hmm. while, even if it's a trap, if you jump right away, chances are you can just MGD out anyway, right? If that Black Ops pilot is, yeah. uh, like, uh, paying attention. I think the safety aspect, mm-hmm. it's not that crazy risky uh, anyway, if he's fast, right? You, got, you gotta be uh-huh. fast. If, if the covered sign is up for 10 seconds and then you jump, you know, you know. If it's a trap, uh-huh. you're dead. So I think it would be fine with the conduit jump uh, only, to be honest. Okay, um, that's good to hear. Uh, what we decided is like we didn't want to risk making it feel like a nerf. Like we're going to the trouble to try and make this class more exciting, and if people are using it in a way that they would really be uncomfortable to have to put the black ops on grid, we don't want to make this feel like a nerf. So we'll try and make it worthwhile in some situations. As is, we'll make the fuel cost cheap. We'll let you jump a lot of stuff at a time and then see how it goes, and then have the plan yeah. to hopefully phase into just conduit jumps later, especially if we can find other ways to either replace the bridging functionality or lower the cost, like lower the risk level. Like one thing that I think sounds cool is to have a conduit jump, like a module that does conduit jumps rather than bridging, like the current cover gen, and let that module be fit on something else. Like let uh, either introduce a Battlecruiser Black Ops class that can fit it, or even like uh, Covert Tech 3 Cruisers, let them fit it. So you can conduit jump, maybe not 30 people, maybe 10 or something, but you put something risky on the grid, something more expensive than bombers rather than bridging, but not as expensive as a blob. So you don't have to put two and a half bill on grid to do it. Maybe you can put 500 mil or 800 mil or something instead. Yeah, so I think the risk part isn't the big deal. I think what it would be um, a little annoying for is like if you bridge people in you want to constantly keep bridging more people in right so you have uh-huh. to bridge set yeah up, you would need and you, you, you want to bring in every people. time exactly yeah. and then it would get a little bit ugh, you know yeah <laughs> but yeah. um i think in general i think in general it would be probably the healthier the cooler version too that's and, the thing i think it's cooler yeah, i think it it's cooler is. for both it sides definitely is. and you know what i instantly wanted is like do you guys have that in mind for supers? For example, yeah. like motherships, right? That's what everyone yeah. was like thinking. Yeah. Why not? You know, I mean, I could bring up the, what is it called? The recloner yeah. that nobody's yeah. using, sadly, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was kind no, of I... trying to get into that direction, right? Yep. But yep. Uh, yeah. no, I, I, for sure. I think it's the same. It's the same set of issues at a larger scale with 
And, uh, you know, this kind of leads into a bunch of the other stuff you wanted to talk about in a way, because I think that we've run into a bunch. We're, we're trying to get to a bunch of these, I don't know, more difficult design issues, like more fundamental design in EVE, if we can, with Talos, like some of the stuff we're trying to change is in this area and other teams. I mean, the, the economic stuff is kind of similar where the the design that seems healthier and like seems like what we do if we started from scratch now, you know, is great, except it has potential negative impact given what exists now. So the transition to the better mechanic and that's, you know, like we'd rather have conduit jumps for titans but also if that means that there's way less big fights because people aren't willing to put a titan on grid which means they can't get a subcat fleet there and so nothing happens that's not worth it like we'd rather have the activity and that you know yeah. it's kind of the same trouble with the nullification and stab stuff where it's like we think we can get towards a healthier design that we would have ideally had from the beginning but we have to be careful not to hurt activity we have to make sure we don't just like frustrate everybody out from playing because that wouldn't be worth it, even if the design is better. Um, yeah, and that sadly, that sadly kind of reminds me, like about the observatories. I gotta say, mm -hmm. because that's kind of, in my opinion at least, that's kind of what mm -hmm. happened. Is it was like a well-intended change, but then... I mean, it's much. It's definitely better, <laughs> like from. Like, if you're just, okay, let's, let's, you know, approach this without worrying about how, how things were or, you know, like, uncounterable long-term cloaking doesn't, you would never, I think now if you ever started from scratch, you would never have that. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Or you'd have some other way to, like, maybe this solution isn't what you'd go to, but that set of mechanics would not have been the case. And so, but... So my frustrating part about this, that's the only frustrating part. You say long-term uh, AFK cloaking or whatever, but long-term is not 15 minutes though, right? Like in EVE, that's not long-term at all. That's right yeah. now, right? So it's way, like in my it's just so short that you, like, you have that time window. And I, I actually, interestingly, my CSM, my trusty CSM uh, representative, Brisk, right? I kept him up mm. to date. On the last op, I like ran into this problem. Hostiles are forming. I want to set up a trap. I cloak the dicta. I need to cloak it well ahead of time. I can't cloak it when they undock. Mm. And they're going to stay mm -hmm. undocked for like 15 minutes. But there's observatory. Yeah, I mean, system. this is such a good example, yeah. though. Like, should you be able to hide something? How long should you be able to hide something without defenders having any option to deal with it? You know, like how long should you be able to have an invulnerable piece of power just sitting in a position frustrating defenders? How what is the right amount of time for that? And I think the right answer is none because they should have what? an option and then you should have a you should have a way to answer. Like it should be some back and forth where the more each of you invest or the more whatever smarts you have it, you know it's a push and pull rather than just like i have a dude here you can't do anything about it for whatever amount of time that yeah, just seems like such a strange requirement you know well the dude is not actively doing something to their fleet at that moment right so like i think well except he's hour. representing very real threat to them 
yeah, you're not doing anything except saying that if they undock they die but right? as long as he's cloaked they know he can't do anything to them so if they warp exactly but to it, the it must represent real risk though or you wouldn't need it right like yes. it, obviously there's something powerful about it otherwise you wouldn't say you need it to do something but if your argument like that then why can't I log off on that spot and then log in and land on the same spot, right? I'm a, yeah, log off is really hard to deal with. Yeah, see, like it's the same issue, but now they know I'm a local. So you would yeah, you but could in, say it's when you're logged them, in, right? you can see what they're doing. I mean, it's you well, can then, see what's there, yeah. whereas you wouldn't, you would at least need a spy or something the other way to yeah. know when to log in. in. In this case, it was a dictator, right? So I can't just cloak you, warp off, recloak, and you know, stuff. So I would yeah. have like yeah, I would have to have a um a scout that that does that does that and then lock the dick yeah. in at the right time to actually yeah. be effective, which is super hard, right? Try to pick the perfect timing when you throw that bubble <laughs> to catch them warping to a certain spot and you know, all that stuff. It's um it's it's hard enough without the changes. So Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't deny at all that it's we have a lot of tough situations where getting something rolling getting a fight started or getting something exposed where like an escalation can happen takes a lot of work and a lot of tools and and it sucks if we move towards better designs that make it even harder for you to do that but i don't know i i i i want our goal to be you know make it possible for stuff to happen with better designs, which I think is possible. Like in these, you know, one, one thing I've wondered about, and I think we need to do a lot of like analysis, uh, look at what's actually happening, but you know, people saying, for instance, that they need eyes everywhere to be able to spot opportunities for content that feels real. Like that, that I believe. You. Yes. But, but is that partly because of the fact that, since there's eyes everywhere, activity is super suppressed. Like people can't do anything because if they move, they get seen and punished. And it, it's like, you know what I mean? It snowballs. It's like, well, we can see 50 systems and we have to because there's so little happening, mm. but there's so little happening because you can see 50 systems and they know it. So there's no reason for them to move. Mm. And the hope for me would be that... If okay, we take away your ability to watch everything, but that leads to activity that means you don't need to be able to see it all. Do you know what I mean? And I have no idea if that's bearing out at all with these changes or what. I'm just like, I think that there's there's like this loop that that we get caught in from a content creator perspective where you know you need a tool that oppresses activity, so now you need more tools, which oppresses more activity, and pretty soon no one can do anything at all. Yeah, so I, I get your point, but at the same time, it is kind of it's the it's the it's the opposite of um, like oh, it, it helps with the the you know the full intel situation, right? If we had a little local delay of a couple of seconds, I'm sure you've heard that a hundred times from a hundred different people, right? Yeah. Um, if there was a little local delay, so the hunter would have a chance to get to the target. And the target is still exposed. Then you know, I'd I'd get that. I'd I'd agree to that. What you just said. The less people, I I mean, that's I think that's another like we you know I I'd love to find a place to try something like that. I know a lot of people think it's really interesting, but I see that going sort of the same direction where 
if the delay makes it so that you can catch people who do whatever warp to a anomaly and they're consistently being caught because of that, they will stop going to those anomalies. And if that happened, you would have the, you would have the delay that would allow you to get to stuff. There'd be less stuff happening because they know that they were under threat of you coming in without them seeing them. And then imagine if we tried to take away that delay, you'd be like, how are we going to catch him now? We couldn't even catch him with the delay. And it's be the, the whole reason you couldn't catch him with the delay is because they couldn't do anything. You know what I mean? Does this uh, make sense? I, like, I just think I know this what is, you mean. Like, yes. It's like a blackout light. That's what you're thinking. But yeah, I think it's similar. Blackout's great. Oh, we can catch people. Oh, everyone dies. So everyone stops ratting. So we have to take blackout away, which then makes people like, oh, it was so fun because I could catch a bunch of stuff. Like, no, actually, just no one could do anything because it was so easy to catch stuff. Yeah. And I think and we're I totally seeing smaller versions of that in a bunch of places. So when we talk about a delay, obviously, there's a sweet spot there, right? Like, does it have to be? I, it doesn't have to be a minute. It doesn't have to be like craziness. But like, I mean, to, to give the hunter to me, a chance. I, I hunters need chances, obviously. But I, I think to me, what needs to happen is the content and the th like the activities people are doing need to create those chances relative to what they're up to. So, if you want to run higher reward stuff, you're more likely to get caught because whatever the site tackles you or you know some mechanic lets creates more opportunity for you to be caught based on the risk you're taking like i think doing it through blanket mechanics across like all of null works this way it's just gonna like have this sort of blanket oppression on activity and instead it'd be healthier to scale that risk based on activity which you know, we're doing more of like, for instance, with the deployable design, um, and we've been talking about this in other areas too, like high set ganking or um, I don't know other spots where uh, we say, I mean, it's a really small version, but even with the observatories, you can push the AFK cloakers out, but you put something at risk that you can't defend. Like this dies if you can't protect it when you look for this benefit. And we can do the same thing with rewards, you know. You want to spawn a high reward thing, you got to put an asset at risk to do it, and that can be killed always, and it's not a matter of, like, does local mechanics allow you to catch that thing? It's, like, it's more related directly to the rewards you're getting. And I think that's where we want to look, you know. Can, can we actually scale risk based off what you're doing rather than have, like, everything in null can be caught because there's AFK cloakers in every system and a delay on local or nothing can be caught because local's instant and no one can ever get into a system without being seen. Like those two options both suck. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, uh, like a balance uh, issue, right? It just, it, it is. It's it, why this stuff has been left alone for like 10 years. <laughs> as soon as we did the, as soon as we started working on nullification AFK cloaking and started getting feedback on it, you should see the um, with AFK cloaking stuff. We had two massive proposals, totally different than what we ended up going with, where the CSM like went crazy, like flipped meeting room tables over and left yeah, meetings. With the, and with the nullification or with the cloaky thing, what was it? With the cloaky thing. All right. So like, like before we landed on this, this went pretty well, but we had other versions. Um, 
totally different other versions before this can you like give a super short version of them like like (laughs) i don't remember the first one was really grand uh and it's something we might come back to but we were trying to figure out a way to have areas in system where you could hide like um have little clouds cloud field things that you could be in space weather that that yeah that you couldn't see into um but you could see out of, so you could spot stuff to hunt. But they'd have to be cleared out manually, you know? You'd have to bring ships in and look around for bad guys in there if you thought they were there to get your space safe. But you could never know for sure because you couldn't know if you checked every corner. Like, have these massive grids, you know, 8,000 or uh, whatever. Massive space, yeah, that would, like, take lots of manual work. So the idea is you could, like, make your space more safe if you took the time to look or you could, like, risk it, but you wouldn't know if there was hunters there, this kind of thing. That doesn't sound it's a nightmare. Bad. It's very hard to design. I guess, uh, yeah. It's really easy to break. Like, oh, I come into system, I warp to your cloud, and then I log off. How long are you going to look for me? <laughs> You're never going to find me. Uh, so that, that went down the tubes. And then we had another one where we were trying to... It was mine. I was trying to split cloaks up into different types of cloaks that hid from different types of intel. So you could, like... I don't remember. You know... One that hides you from local, but doesn't hide you from probes or something, and then one that hides you from uh, whatever. But I, I don't remember. But split split them up so that you could never have like all of the intel hiding at the same time, and so you'd have to use multiple versions to get hunting done. Sounded cool, yeah. really easy to break, really problematic. Uh-oh. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, also the the cloud scanner or the space weather version, <clears throat> like it's so complicated. It's almost destined to you know break like five other yeah. things, right? So yeah, which know. you know it's not bad if it makes those other things like I, I I think if they're if it just like oh we have to figure it out again everything's crazy but it's kind of fun but when it you know I think especially if internally we have any inclination that it's just broken like that it it leads to super toxic stuff it's a good sign that it's going to be really toxic. Like, if we can even start to see that potential, I think that you guys will will really, really make a mess. And so we just backed away. Sorry, guys. Which is, I'm really happy with where we ended up. Um, we have to see for sure what happens to all the different affected parties, including yourself, and adjust. I mean, we have to adjust. Uh, we're probably going to put in the next patch a booster that extends the hardened cloak duration for example, um, and keep looking for tweaks to make sure that we have some balance of, like, there isn't toxic AFK cloaking everywhere, but there also isn't, like, no option for, for gameplay styles like yours. But how much is it going to expand? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't even started on it. How much do you think you need? I think I need an hour of good traps. Yeah. you got to be an hour early. Like, that's just how it okay. is. How much would you pay for an hour in ISK? <laughs> well usually it's just a cheap like alt right so i would say like 10 mil is fine right 10 15 mil if you want to extend it you wouldn't use that all the time but you you can throw yeah. it in a saber or something it's like you know you're not gonna lose your right. mind about it i Deal. think that makes sense but yeah i think i like so- i i really like we were we were when we put it in i know you and you know other people were saying there should be uh variations on timing based on the cloak which we could easily do but that's what um, Suetonia and Sade said yeah yeah I'm just I I I feel really nervous about anything that 
permanently changes duration. I really like the idea of temporary duration changes for from one angle or another. Like it'd be fine to do it on the cloaks, but I I think then that just becomes the standard. There's no point really in having the lower one unless it's only on like the well, only on prototype cloaks or something like that. But I I I feel like the booster is a really good direction for that. So we'll probably just try that. See how it goes. Overall with the cloaky thing like like I said earlier, that the fifteen minute thing on the cloak and vulnerability that's just my that's the big pain point in my eyes yeah and i always yep. like so i instantly wondered like if it's aimed for cloaky campus right and that's the main target right yeah there's some maybe some other i don't know what other gameplays actually there other than that that you want to hit really i mean that that is the like this is definitely the case that best shows why there needs to be an answer but I also think, like around the cap, the capital travel discussion, for instance, I think it's really like I don't know the right answer, but it feels wrong that you should be able to just push a button to have a capital be invulnerable forever without anybody being able to do anything about it while it's logged in. Like that just doesn't make any sense. It should it should not. It's like an uncount. It's a very powerful uncounterable thing. So there should be some answer, but I don't know exactly how long you should be able to be cloaked or if there's what exactly the counter should be like how much effort it should take or what kind of activity would be best suited you know yeah but so um, what i was go- come coming for or like going at was um like if you would have taken a like a more careful approach maybe like that duration should have started rather long than the short right i think you you went for the for the hardcore version right away other than the you know the black ops um jump um where you went the careful way and in this case you went like a little like for the for the for the tough version right away and that's like where i was thinking yeah. i think if you if you made it an hour at first right it would have had the mm-hmm. same effect on cloaky campus like on those hardcore i mean campus. that's that's an inch i i I wonder about that. We talked about definitely different durations and did you talk a lot of the reason we ended up here is that if you're active in covert ships, you can recloak so easily that it's really not a disincentive if you're at your keyboard acceptance. Obviously there are situations, but for the most part, um, it's not a big deal. And it sounds really frustrating for, you know, if, if you're saying it's more than an hour, especially if it's more like two or three hours, that's a whole session for a lot of people who are wanting an answer to AFK cloaking. And so it starts to not even be relevant for them. I could see an hour, you know, that definitely would have been a more conservative, probably would have still had a pretty big effect on AFK cloaking, but would have been less. Um, but, I think but, someone, uh, I think someone, so many of, sorry, go ahead. I was just trying to throw in, I would think someone who only plays an hour, I'm not suggesting two or three hours. I think that's a little too far, but an hour, I yeah. think someone who only plays an hour wouldn't use an observatory anyway, right? Because it takes, first of all, he logs in, he knows he got an hour, right? Then he puts it up, that's got to be 10 minutes. Then the, the thing he cycles and has a chance, right? So let's say on a second cycle, he gets him, but that's 20. Then you have to follow up. What if the guy is active though, and he pays attention, he just logs off mm-hmm. and now he wasted 40 mil <clears> and then you have... You have 40 minutes left to get this, that isk back and you might just do that, right? You get like a good tick or two, but 
in general Isn't like a strong argument for going to 15 minutes isn't that what you're just making the argument for? Because no. now he can deal with it in time for it to be relevant for his session. Well, so if the session was longer than an hour, for sure. But if it's longer than an hour anyway, then you know, I don't think it matters too much. Because the dude who is in system is already there. He's already cloaked. So it doesn't matter to that guy because he's already cloaked for an hour. You wouldn't put that up for someone who just entered system. You wouldn't assume that he's now inactive. Because yeah. you would wait and say, like, okay, like, let me see, is that dude a cloak again? But okay, 50, 50 minutes in, I'm going to put that thing up and try to catch him, right? So it's, yep. like, already over an hour anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yes, totally makes sense. I think we have, in general, or maybe I should say I, there's, I think, overall in Talos, we have tried to, when we think that the direction is good try to move hard in the direction so we get a good read on the effect and then tweak towards an average rather than and i think that that if, if we had done these changes in the other order i think the black ops change we would not have taken that careful route we would have done a complete conduit swap but we did two highly controversial sets of changes where we went pretty hard and so it felt like time to be a little more careful but i Oh, I think so. that that's just generally our our mode is to go pretty hard. I mean, as an example for this, despite going this hard, it's really hard in the metrics. You know, they're easy for me to check to read what the impact was. Uh, there's not super noticeable differences in number of kills and ratting numbers and any of that stuff. Um, so it's tough, even when we go super hard, to see... Like, I understand your experience is a lot different, but for us to read out of, like, the macro, uh, an effect is tough, which is why we tend to go harder so that there's more chance of us seeing what's actually happened. Yeah, that's what I always say. Like, when content is being lost, especially when, like, so... That's the whole talk I gave Brisk. I, like, like when those changes were announced, I grabbed Brisk, and I was like, dude, mm-hmm. all right, listen, right? And then he told me the CSM was super involved. There was a lot of work and all that stuff. So he said, like right away, like chances that they get it, like that it change it before it's released, very tiny, right? Like still, like so I explained that, like in all the big groups, usually the part of content creation and like getting fun for the guys, it usually is based on like a handful of people only. And those handful of people are around, like, sending scouts everywhere and all, doing all that stuff, right? And uh, when, for example, shout out to Schwo, and I do that every second, like, he's a good hunter. He's a really, like, active guy looking for all kinds of stuff. He's active all the time, but not every character of his is active every 15 minutes, right? But he's looking around, mm-hmm. he's trying to find stuff, he's finding connections and all that stuff. But the second um like it's already hard and then the second you um put more work on people like that the chances yeah you know that I, might just I be hear, a little bit too much hear that it's just it's there's but, a push and pull when you talk to this side this is the case and then if you talk to the the hunted side it's why is one super active guy able to oppress activity across the whole region like that That's wild. It should not be possible for him to keep us all from undocking across like 10 systems or 20 systems just because one guy is active. Maybe we need tools to punish him for doing that. 
Yeah, but the problem, know? yeah, the problem I was um, trying to um, to explain is the content that's lost because of this. Like, it might just be this change or like whatever change it is. If someone quits, who is like essential to create content for a bunch of people, it's very hard to see that in the statistics for you guys, right? It will take a long time to see like, and then who knows what the reason for why, that is, right? So why should it? If he's generating fights that aren't happening, and then he stops playing, we should stop seeing those fights, right? Yeah, I mean, sure, but are you going to be able to put it down and say like, okay, it was this change or like this combination or this is the reason why people like this quit? Do you even know it's I mean, because certain people quit, right? That's like... Attributing know. any trend metrics to any one change is super, super hard, of course, unless it's yeah. really dramatic, like Blackout or something like that. But yes, it's it's difficult, but that's why we just have a combo of feedback, we say. Like, if we were seeing now a massive drop in null kills or fights in null or something like that, which is hard to see anyway because it is affected more by the war or more by player activity overall than any of these specific changes. But if we were, we would just have to combine. We'd, we'd say, oh, there's something weird going on, and then we start asking people why it is, and then everybody would say, oh, it's because all the hunters left because you made some stupid changes. And then we'd say, okay, we need to change some stuff back. <laughs> but yeah. It's true. It is tough. It's yeah. It's tough to tie, uh, you know, any big trend to a specific thing. And usually, it's probably not a specific thing. It's a combination of things. But yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, when so I need to open my window. You go. Okay. When so you mentioned I was just kind of letting you guys talk, but you you mentioned you know, one player being able to control, you know, an entire region with the way that they're hunting. But at the same time, I feel like one of the major factors of EVE is like what Pando said when he said, you know, there's only a handful of people that are creating content. You know, if you look at an alliance, like in it, for example, there's maybe like, what would you say, like eight active fcs that are driving content for the rest of the entire alliance so when you take i killed the bug when you take you know those eight people that are able to drive that content for the entire alliance and you make it harder for them to drive that content for the entire alliance it's already hard enough to get people that are willing to put in that time to do it in the first place because of the amount of time that it takes for them to like plan for the amount of time it takes Shvo to like figure all of this out do we really want to punish him for create for having that opportunity to then create that potential fight i'm definitely not saying we just want to like make it harder for him period that always the the hope is that the net result is more stuff happening that's definitely always the result and i think that sometimes that gets experienced especially initially when there's big changes as like this got harder for me anytime we change something it gets harder for you because you have to figure out something else new but always the hope would be okay it was harder for you maybe it doesn't work the same as it used to but the net result is that there's more stuff happening there's more opportunity and i think one of the big bets around this stuff the intel stuff is as a hunter you don't have the same kind of influence or the same kind of reach as before, but that leads to better activity among prey, which means ultimately there's more activity. 
we could be wrong, but I would never say that we're setting out to like make it harder for your content creators, period, because we just want people to sit in belts and farm peacefully. And that's how we hope the game ends. Like that is not at all what we're aiming at, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. where there's, there's, there's an ecosystem that's dynamic where we want to, you know, make it more robust, have acti more activity in each part of it, which leads to more potential for stuff to happen that everybody likes. And sometimes the, I think the changes we make have really obvious, quick connection to that, like filaments, for instance, where just suddenly there's more people in space, but it's the kind of gangs and the kind of activity that just is obviously feels like more action for everybody. And there's others where it's like, okay, we have to make, we have to take away this important but busted tool of AFK cloaking and hope that that can lead to healthier behavior, more active, you know, farming and prey behavior where there's still hunter tools that leads to more stuff happening instead of just this squashed, nothing going on ecosystem where you have to see 50 systems because there's only one dude in 50 of them that's doing anything. And I'm not saying this was you know, perfect right changes. I'm just saying we're not trying to kill hunting activity or make your FCs miserable or whatever. We're hoping think... to get towards more stuff happening. I I don't want to go like on a, I don't want to like change the topic from the observatories to something else because we also talk about this like every single episode. But at the same time, like if we want that prey behavior, we have to make the prey behavior worth it. Totally. So like yes, 100%. with 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 the scarcity that's going on right now and everything, like there's n absolutely no reason for me to undock in a 350 million isk ship when it's going to take me so long just to recoup the losses from me potentially losing that ship. So there's no reason for me to go out I, and rat right now. Absolutely, that's a big issue. I. Have I'm much less connected to that work, so it's harder to speak to directly because that's all kind of economy side, which another team is working on. But um, we have talked about how this is totally a part of like pr the most important part of the puzzle is it needs to be worth it for people to put stuff at risk. Some of that like contextual risk I was talking about with sites um, is super tied to that. You know, we've been talking for feels like two years now about developing. Uh, content specifically for caps and super caps so that they're out in space so that it's I like that you know worth it for them to put stuff out in the system so that then hunters yeah. have something to chase like we need right. to we need to do that but we're you know we're short on content dev right now for actually making stuff like new sites and we're there's a like a backlog of stuff in that area that needs to be done, and then I can't even you know it's I, I don't know exactly what the um, short term plan is for the more broad like scarcity and redistribution yeah. stuff. But a, I, a, of course, this is a huge part of it. If it's not worth it to undock, it doesn't matter. Right, and I just feel like that's I think that's a much bigger issue at hand as to why people aren't feeling safe in space versus cloaky campers like yes cloaky sure. campers are an issue but are they the issue right now like i right. i wouldn't say so yeah that's I'm totally not fair. gonna talk about citadels but i'm <laughs> not gonna go there yeah i think that's that's uh like yes the most 
for anyone, like before we talk about how people get caught when they're doing stuff, they have to be wanting to do stuff to begin with. And if it's not worth it, that's like broken at the bottom. Like, so for sure. And so, they are, there's, I know there's, I, I have like vague impressions about plans more on that end, more on like economic and redistribution stuff, but it's not, you know, it's not, not my team. So it's harder for me to say as much detail about it. Um, so with the CSM stuff and so on coming up, I think Monday, um, stuff is going to be announced. Um, and then this discussion, especially with the changes, like when, what you said, like certain changes, and then it's hard to predict on every play style and all that stuff. Right. So like, how important is it to have like a diverse CSM? So when you propose changes that you have a group of people with like different point of views to like have a good idea, um, you know, what's going to happen to like, for example, I mean, um, what's his name? Not Marshy. Marshy's a cloaky camper who's also not active. Actually, the big cloaky campers are not even active anymore, right? So Marshy and uh, what's his name again? On Mecca. So he was on the CSM. Would have been interesting to have him in the room when you <laughs> proposed that, right? Because he would have been like very woke. It's I'm always guessing. interesting to have him in the room. <laughs> I guess. Could I have guess. proposed getting tacos, and it'd be interesting <laughs> in the room. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I. I think, of course, having a diversity of playstyles represented on the CSM is great. I think the more like direct diversity we could get, the better. Um, but over time, the CSM has also just become... I don't know. I, yeah, it's tricky to figure out what the exact perfect way for the CSM to be is. But something I've really appreciated over time is that the CSM as an uh, institution has gotten more and more like mature and effective and it to me like for instance right now if i need information about black ops i say that to the csm even though they're all like no leaders and i mean not literally there's some diversity they but are, even though they're, they're all, all goons. <laughs> they're all goons and they're all whatever no but they <laughs> you know they go talk to those people for me and they they give me direct stuff i get everything from just like consolidated impressions from them. Like for instance, if I ask Brisk, hey, I need info on Black Ops stuff or Covert Ops stuff, then he goes and talks to you and talks to other people and then brings me back what he hears. And I think the CSM's gotten better at overall. Um, I get a ton of that kind of work uh, from Gobbins, from Merck. Um, and that's on everything. Like for instance, none of them, like for uh, like Pochman, of course, has been a hot topic lately. None of them are super directly involved. Gobbins, maybe some, um, but they go and talk to people who are. They talk to current CSM candidates. They talk to people who are in those corporations. They always have the connections to do that more easily than me. And then they just bring me information. And I think they've gotten better and better at doing that over the last uh, couple of years. And so I rely on them pretty heavily for a lot of that. And of course, whatever they can, they can be selective about what they send me. And it's always a little political and, and takes some navigating, but. Um, I don't, I, I was, you know, working when the CSM was more diverse in a direct sense. And I felt like it was less effective then than it is now because it was so much less professional. So it would deteriorate. It still does often deteriorate into 
crazy internet screeching. <laughs> and in those days, it was like hardly worth listening to. I mean, they just fought, you know, like while we watched. <laughs> and sometimes that was helpful. <laughs> but, but I think the they understand now that like the best thing they can do is be a conduit to the player base, regardless of what we want to know. And they're good at that, yeah, even but, as evil null goons. But when they so when the they're CSM gone. was more diverse, that wasn't the reason for the you know for the stuff. I think like in general, I think the population of Eve has grown up a little bit and matured. Sure. I mean, yeah. obviously we're all getting older, right? But yeah, you know. and I could totally imagine a both directly diverse playstyle and mature CSM, which would be great. Uh, that would be super cool, uh, and it could happen. But so is that I think there's the, the 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 drawback, you know, with the way it is now, is that they're they they can be so professional and effective that they will like all agree to agree about something, so that it comes with like a really yeah. strong unified voice and seems like it's the only side, which of course it's not, and we're aware of that. But it, you know, they're they're smarties, and sometimes yeah. the lobbying can Making get deals pretty and stuff. I mean, not making deal. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they do. That's what they do all but. day. Right? <laughs> it's like, it is just what they do. And it's, I'm not even like, in a lot of cases, it might just do good, you know? In a lot of cases, yeah. it might just be a good thing. But sometimes yeah, it I might think, just, you know, be bad. And I'm glad you guys are, I mean, you know, aware of it. I mean, of course. Yeah. I think Olmeca was a really interesting case because, you know, he came in feeling like the people's voice who was going to bring truth versus the evil, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and then you people. found out everyone's kind of level headed actually. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, and then the end result is I think that we got more, uh, thoughtful, but still kind of cooperative feedback from both. Like Omeka wasn't saying the same thing that the rest of the CSM was by the end, but it wasn't just this like angry fighting. It was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that thing they're saying is true, but I would prefer this answer instead. And we have some of that with Phantom right now, for sure. He's usually on the other end, but, you know, in a lot of cases ends up moving towards a middle, uh, which which the the big block guys do, too, in those cases. Yeah, Phantom, you know, he's an interesting candidate. Obviously, I supported him last year. Uh, also together with uh, within it we put him on the ballot and tried to push him and he seemed like a little bit uh, a little bit aggressive so like it can be good oh at times God, <laughs> he told me i don't remember which change it was recently but he told me that i i he, he said you literally stabbed me in the heart <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like one of the most that performative like csms i've worked with he's uh yeah never a dull moment it's also he's I, I don't know. He's funny. I he's one of the ones where it, it's been the hardest to predict what his opinion will be when I have changes. I feel like which I is nice flip though. A, flip a coin and I get Jekyll and Hyde. Like I don't know why, but, but which is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Like, so you yeah, know, you always get a different take. Yeah, and uh, yep. it's nice Let's that you know, take. like he's not too afraid to offend someone. So if he actually agrees, then I mean, you know, he's not like, afraid to offend people. Yeah, you're, go, sure. you're going in the right direction, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 been good. We got a lot of really good. Uh, I also think you know it can be really awesome to have a person like that around because they'll trigger the shit out of the the more mainline people, which will lead to like more thoughtful feedback. 
Mm. Like, uh, I think on some of the AFK cloaking stuff, there was like the the initial feedback from the Merkelchins and the Villies is like, it should obviously be like this without much explanation or depth. And then Phantomite says, you're an idiot. I hate you. You stab me in the face. Everything's terrible. And then they have to actually like articulate more about what's going on and then they they end up through that fight getting to a more middle ground but the real winner is us because we get like a lot of understanding through the course of you want those fights is that what you're saying definitely you need a more immature as long as they don't get so toxic that like no one's participating which can happen it just gets to like i'm quitting the csm or i I hate your mom or whatever and we're not even talking about eve online anymore and that that's not so useful but it's not usually like that and yeah, the, the, the EVE Online fights are very helpful. Very glad to have those. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually good to hear. I'm hoping still to get a couple um, non-Nullblock guys on there, but I think this year it's going to be all Nullblock. Maybe Suetonia and iBeast can make it. So Does um, iBeast have a chance? I was wondering about that. I think so. I think a lot of people, even if they don't speak Russian, respect his skills. And they put him somewhere mm-hmm. on their ballots, right? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I still think people don't understand how the ballots work. And I made a Reddit post, and I'm kind of mad at myself to not explain it a little bit better. I think I should have taken more time with it, but um, I think most people are not aware how it works, right? Like, like how they should actually vote so they get like a deep, uh, like a decent like mix of people on them. But I think a lot of people would put them. I uh, put Ibeast like second or third. Right, first is their guy, and then second or third yeah. is, is then iBeast or like a Suetonia, whoever they like more. So I think those yeah. two actually definitely have a good ch- uh, chance there. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Suetonia is so solid, and I still talk to him. You know, we we get them on NDA forever after they're on CSM. So I still talk to him about balance stuff a lot, even though he's oh. not officially CSM. So you can still consult him about stuff that's coming mm-hmm. up because he's still mm-hmm. under NDA. So you only have to be yeah, on have, CSM think- once. I think NDA is five years from the last time you got con- confidential information. <laughs> so as long as I keep telling him stuff that's coming, his NDA refreshes forever. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah. Pando's really thinking about it now. <laughs> He's like, man, I only have to be on the CSM for one year, and then I get to talk about stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so the main reason why I never ran, I, obviously it's a lot of, like, it's a commitment, right? If you want to do it proper, you have to commit it's to it. It's a huge commitment. And there's a lot of yeah. work involved in meetings and all that stuff. So, like, you got to be aware of that. Yeah. But then also, I want to talk about stuff with everyone and not yeah. get banned for it, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's treacherous. Yeah. What if I talk to someone on this and then we talked about something and I just bring it up thinking, oh, yeah, that's just like common mm-hmm. knowledge. And I forget, I actually, that, that was on the NDA. And then I'm, you know, yeah. sitting here, shit, what am I going to do? I didn't want yeah. that. And it's, in the back I think of my it's head. probably really. I don't envy the player position because there's there's so much going on. Like we could be talking about some potential change for a year internally with the CSM, and maybe we've said something about it at an E Vegas or at whatever. But who knows? And so then it's hard for you to remember whether or not. I mean, that happens to me, and I just feel grateful because it doesn't. I'm not going to get banned, <laughs> so I can let stuff slip. But if I was a player, I think it'd be pretty tricky to manage that. How about? How about this? Just tell everyone everything. Just be completely open with everything to everyone. Every CSM I mean, meeting, everything is open. Everyone can see it. 
And you don't because have to then that everyone wants to pitchfork and burn the world down every single time. They any want that anyway. But that's without the NDA stuff. So then you throw in the NDA stuff and then everybody's completely freaking the Whatever. fuck out about everything constantly. Nah, they do that anyway. Like, I don't think it would I mean, there's anything. so many reasons. You guys think we're really stupid already. Imagine if you could see the stuff we throw out. You would think <laughs> we're like, actually... No, and then also like Miranda saying or Issa saying you know you would I think there's so much change anxiety already and if you were hearing like oh maybe cloaks are not going to exist anymore in two weeks and then we change our minds you you would go through all this like emotion total emotional freak out (laughs) and then have this letdown if nothing happened I think it would totally change you know we wouldn't be able to work the same way we'd have to work no, really I mean, slowly and care it'd be like runescape actually you know what runescape does they they have like high level i i don't know how high level but i i know that they basically propose areas to work on to the community the community votes before they start working on it and then they follow development all the way through and i think we'd have to do that we'd have to say okay guys are you all right with us working on it afk cloaking and then you'd all fight each other and be really mad and there'd be some vote that was like uh no bias because, or block bias because Billy whatever and and then a bunch of people would be mad and then we'd start working on it. we have to tell you really slowly you know i think i don't agree never, never, never gonna happen i don't think i agree i think you gotta be just like strong and you know stand your ground and just have the csm discussions like open to everyone and, and all that stuff so there's never the question of like if did brisk leak this and this info or whatever right like that would never come up because like everyone can just see it like a couple days later anyway uh or like right away maybe people can just and i can i can tell you this is such a rabbit hole we we struggle just since i've been working on this team and we've been doing these rapid releases we have bounced all over the place in terms of how much we want to communicate we we started out being like we're not going to say anything we're just going to drop patches on patch day no time for people to like try to solve it before it's out. Just let them go nuts. And then we've swung kind of recently almost back to doing like full dev blogs, trying to get stuff on the CC two weeks ahead of time yeah. so that people have time to like, and I, I still don't know what's best. It's, it's so tough. I think uh, it depends on the change really, right? Yeah. Like, you but gotta often be very we don't calm. know which ones are going to need which thing. I, you know, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I had, I, I mean, we knew these topics this last couple of months were very sensitive, but did not expect, for instance, that this nullification change would be like such a drama bomb. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I knew some, but like I, knowing what I know now, we would have like gone way softer into it. We'd have had like early explanation stuff and then forum posts on CC to like talk about it and blah, blah, blah. And we kind of thought it'd be normal, like, oh, change. But no, it was like, yeah, like, I gotta say, I didn't understand it either. I didn't understand why you changed the uh, notification at all. And why, like, why it was getting more complicated. Um, I mean, when you look at T3s, they don't really profit from it at all. That used to be like one of their unique features that can be bubble proof. And now you have to have the mod on and like, the subsystem like it's kind of useless now you would just use it like you know it's kind of weird now um it is kind of weird it's it ended up i i feel like we need to go back to it for sure it's a weird topic the result for me towards the end of it and this isn't exactly where the changes landed because 
whatever. But it's just any anything where we have these binary immunities is really problematic. I think the one, you know, the one driving thing that stayed consistent through all the development for established nullification changes is that we want powerful things to be activated and timed and not always on like we want some you know some strategy around using them if they're super powerful rather than just being this like innate passive effect there's a million ways then you can go from there into the implementation and that's what we kind of went all over the place on um i don't feel terrible about where it ended up but the the main to me the main like the other overriding goal that i think we sort of discovered partway through is that any any blanket binary immunity like i think the dscan immunity on recons is kind of similar um, but especially on-grid mechanical immunities which we don't have a ton of but nullification is a big one i think are just not super fun for either side and we'd be better off looking for more dynamic answers like so i think mjds are really cool as a nullification it's a way to get around the effects of bubbles that isn't just saying bubbles don't exist it's doing something that has its own strategy and trade-offs and counters. So you MJD out of a bubble, people can predict that and tackle you where you land and scram you, whatever. There's like there's a set of options that's more makes it more of a soft counter. And I think that's uh, just a more fun direction for everybody. So long run, I think that's where we would want to go. But but yeah. You know, what I would have preferred is remove all notification over that. Yeah, but did honest. you see... I mean, you... You're, it's funny you're the other side on this. There was all we 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 were gonna do that. By the way, that was one potential option. And then people come like with the interceptor role, right? Yeah, Except hunter they... hunting is impossible without nullification. I have to be able to burn through four systems of bubbles, or I'm never gonna catch a ratter. It's back to the whole conversation we had before about AFK. But it's so it's so rare anyway that you see that happen. Yeah, I that thought... was my impression. But that I mean that's that's my experience. But I. You know, it was the same exact, it's, I, I could have sworn it was you, you know, the same post saying, well, we have these guys and they have to tackle the healers I and never they're not going to be able to do it if you take away nullification. And so I like when you first introduced the nullification on scepters, I was like, oh no, because I mean, <laughs> first of all, um, scepters kind of, um, like fuck with our doctrine at the time which was snatch with like a lot of mjds and you know you get around and then you have you cover yourself with bubbles and all that stuff right so it's like you know now there's like always that warp in ready like they can always get in position because they're bubble proof and they can you know get around it or like uh not even yeah. it wasn't even it wasn't even that doctrine actually like cloaky stuff for example right sneaky stuff you throw a bubble drag someone but there's a scepter there they can always warp to this guy at range, then burn around, get a warp in, and everyone else can warp in. Instead of they have to warp to this guy, well, there's a bubble up. You want to land in a bubble edge? We're in bombers, right? Go ahead and do it, right? So, like, that yeah. stuff that I was I instantly as like, ah, like, that counters so many things I liked to do at the time. And I know it's selfish, but I can only approach it from my point of view, obviously, right? Um, and then with the whole, the fuzzy claw whatever you call it probably something else uh oh, it's just claws yeah the bubble proof claws <laughs> 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 from he who shall not be named <laughs> i like i like fuzzy but that name is just too good to not use right the fuzzy claws <laughs> but uh uh like obviously that became an issue at some point right 
um that was just too strong i think and yeah i mean it's a part of the like the implementation ends up of what we did ends up looking kind of messy to to players for sure but the a big uh, another big driver is if we put it in a module we have way more options for penalizing and you know dealing with stuff like that like if we want that to not be a thing we can we have a whole bunch of stats we can affect we can change weapon range we can whatever without um without it needing to be on the base ship we can just do it on the null on the nullifier mm. itself which is really simple for us yes so but now like one interesting issue came up on the last podcast about wormholes and stuff right frick holes is a controversial topic too because there obviously is. for wormholes and that's that's where the you know i think that's where it's the prime example for why you want a, contra- uh, 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 a playstyle diverse csm like one wormholer in the room they can just say like okay this is going to have this and this impact and it's going to be pretty crazy right because all the guys there they have a hard time like they can't just predict it so easily but so frick holes have that unique ability they can't be rolled at the moment or like they'll never be yeah. rolled again i'm guessing and uh you know it it has a very big impact on uh, on evictions because defenders can always or attackers right? they can always bring an endless amount of people in which is scepters so now if nullification wasn't a thing though that would change right killing a bunch of scepters if you're the attacking force and the defender wants to bring scepters now you have a chance of actually killing them right so yeah, like I, it I has mean, impact look, on think, that think, too i think we again well i don't know i think that we would be very interested in not having nullification or at least not having uh any like simple passive nullification maybe having none at all but the feedback definitely that and and i uh, you know it's harder to see in metrics but we're trying is that there's a lot of activity that only happens because of nullification and that's the thing it's like it even if it's better i mean that's it's just that these are all the same discussion like People feel now that they need nullification to move around, which is helpful because it gets them to a ship for them to join a fleet or it gets them to nullsec to yeah, do that's an why activity I like the that they wanted to do. Yeah, but shuttles would work in wormholes, wouldn't they? The freight holes? Shuttles would work to get through there, yes, but yeah. shuttles are so, so easy to blow up. So it doesn't fix it. No, shuttles are so easy to blow up. You you would just need like a couple of medium smart bombs, right? And wormholes are crafty enough to and I have like... Okay something sure. with yeah, yeah. with like smart bombs on the other side but scepters they're just tanky enough if they come on a wrong angle you know you're not going to be ready for all of all of that right okay so i'm guessing shuttles wouldn't I be mean, that big of a deal yeah i mean maybe but that's at least the a huge amount of the response at every level of feedback we got was that mm-hmm. nullification is a requirement in the same way that cloaking duration is a requirement in the you know same way that bridging is a requirement to 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 allow for some activity that is good in theory and in all those cases our hope is like the further we can move away from those mechanics the healthier the ecosystem will be the more stuff will actually go on but we have to do some kind of balance we have to you know find some middle ground so that we don't make a bunch of people feel like they can't do anything the way that they're used to doing it and whether or not we were 
landed in the right place on any of them. I... Oh well, I mean, like we're discussing things. Like I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to say it was all bad, right? Like when it comes to the uh, to the blob stuff, I'm pretty hyped for that. Actually, I I really like that idea. Oh. Um, same for the observatories. I don't think they are like a bad idea. I, I just think that 15 minute timer, you know, yeah. whatever. We'll tune it. So, we'll tune it. All right. Yeah. Get you your hour. Nice. <laughs> that was a promise, right? Hand over CSM. Yeah. <laughs> see, guys, that's how you do it. That's how you get it done. I can't wait to see once that change happens, who takes credit for it. CSM has been really big lately on uh, taking, taking credit. credit for everything. Brisk and fans mm-hmm. might especially. I expect a Reddit post from Brisk saying, what? I got the, the red book duration extended to an hour because I told Pando because he talked to her eyes. It was me. Elect me again. <laughs> well, he he does that, and it's fifty fifty meme, right? But he knows yeah. also a lot yeah. of people yeah. uh, take him super serious. Like he, like <laughs> yeah, I say, I say fifty fifty. Like the red dots, a, like he's running with that he thing. Gets caught. Yeah. Yeah. When when you don't like a change. And you go to any CSM, it's not brisk. It's, yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. Phantomite, it can be Vili. They didn't even tell us about like, this. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I'll talk to these guys. Like, wait, like, I they told talk them to how horrible first, this right? was going to be, but they just completely ignored me. Yeah. It, like, it's funny. It is, it is funny how often I put, I put pages of stuff in front of them and say, like, can you guys look at this and tell me if it's crazy? And then the day that it goes live and they start hearing from people who actually read it, suddenly the channels all light up. They got a whole bunch yeah. of stuff to say. That's why you need a more diverse they're, they're CSM. That's why you need a they're more busy. diverse CSM. Because then there's that one uh, guy that can predict stuff a little bit more. I think diverse is good, but I think you... I think from the out... I don't know. From my perspective, we get good... Like we get good diverse input because they can use connections to the community that they mm. have because they're usually leadership people. It, I, I'm not saying it'd be bad to have diversity. I'm just saying I think that that the idea that like all we get is no block agenda is misguided. I think they do a pretty good job. No, that's good to you. Advocating for other car- other parts of the game or at least getting information on other parts of the game. I've you know, got a I, question. Yeah. So one so one thing that they talk about too is that they're like, you know, well CCP just brings, you know, topics to the CSM and then whether or not the CSM have time to actually go back, gather that information from their counterparts regarding the topic and then bring it back to CCP because like what I hear is like, you know, CCP puts it on the table and then they have to deliberate right then and there on whether or not it's good for the game. Give it back. So they don't actually have that time to then run it back through yeah, their channel. That's probably totally true in some cases. I think that it's a big mix. I think there's there's stuff, you know, that we've been talking about off and on. Like we, for instance, talked about uh new like strategic deployable stuff as like a uh thing to fight over around citadel fights we talked about things like uh passive income and, and old moons that kind of thing like there's topics that have been rolling for like they're kind of continuously discussed and there's lots of time to like build up reports and gather information and whatever and then there's stuff like this black ops update where they probably get like three days to tell me what they can figure out before we're at least starting to put stuff on cc 
It just depends a lot on which feature, I think. Um, so they might be telling the truth if they say that, you know, on certain things that they just heard about it really late. But um, there's, I think there's some luck in that too. Like, you know, there's only so much time we can actually meet with them. They have a weekly meeting on Fridays, I think, where they meet with like one team or like one group, uh, which maybe they'll meet the economy team this week. They'll meet our team next week. They'll meet an NPE team the week after that. And we end up talking about a ton of stuff in those meetings that might not be like the very next thing that's happening. But if it just so happens that there's a gap, you know, if I don't talk to them for a month in one of those meetings and we have a big set of changes, it might kind of blindside them. Mm-hmm. And that's just because there's too much going on. It's tough to get everything in front of them with like the same lead time. But right. it varies. Yeah. We try to, I mean, on our team, at least we really lean on them a lot and try to get stuff in front of them with enough time, but we move really fast and once in a while, something comes quick enough that they probably don't get enough time to go talk to people mm-hmm. as much as they could. You know, um, one thing I have on my list, actually, at the very, very bottom is the heavy bomber thing. You remember? You guys talked about that, and mm-hmm. it has been an idea for a long time. And so did, mm-hmm. it, even, did it even get to the CSM to get ideas for it and, and all that stuff? Or Yeah, we um, talked about it quite a bit. I, I think there's a few like CSM discussion pages, we went through it. Um, it's actually coming up again a little bit lately, not exactly in the same form, but yeah, it's still hanging around. There's, All right. There's a whole bunch of stuff hanging around. We've been talking a little more about new ships lately, and yeah, we'll see. A few ideas, but... New ships? You guys heard it here first. Angel Titan's coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> I bet I bet you get I bet you get to hear that that one like every time. But uh, I don't know if we need more caps. Do we really need those? I don't think so. Nobody's gonna build them anyway. Don't want to make ships that only like five people use, if possible. Yeah, I think we've both because Edencom stuff ended up not being great still, and because it was like hard to get and aimed at fleets it was kind of a niche thing trig stuff before that was awesome but expensive takes a lot of skills kind of a high-end ship like there hasn't been i mean we've reworked a lot of stuff but i think like when we did tech 3 destroyers for instance is really fun because it's pretty accessible price wise and skill wise so a lot of new a lot of people could try something new and i think that would be cool same for command destroyers and stuff yeah that's what i oh yeah yeah true those had a little bit. I mean, those are fleet oriented, but yeah, at least they're affordable. And I think it'd be cool to try and get back to that a little bit. Like get, you know, do some uh, maybe Kaldari Minmatar Pyre Faction or do, um, I don't know, Pyre Faction Battle Cruisers or I don't know, something or maybe even something more new that's like, you know, just every Empire gets one just so that people. The everyman can fly it instead of like only some, you know, T5 Abyss runner using a Stormbringer or whatever. You know, what we also, uh, what I actually skipped was the Edencom ships. So you guys buffed them again before anyone actually started to use them, to be quite honest, right? Which I, I mean, they, yes, you know, that's the oversimplified idea, but yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Obviously, (laughs) there's some people out there using them. Um, Yeah. But 
So I think they're already, they were already in a decent place, just stats-wise and stuff. But it's like, yeah. obviously, I mean, we've, the price tag, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, the, I know. We've been, saying, we've been saying since, bas I, I basically have major regrets and lessons learned about distribution. I think the original distribution for them was just, and still the distribution is pretty brutal. The crazy amount of skills you need, the price of those skills, the material costs, like it was all pretty prohibitive and that's too bad. Um, but we've been saying also for like more than a year now, like, oh yeah, they're good enough, but they're just too hard to get. And I'm kind of sick of saying that now too. I want them to be good enough that they're worth getting, even though they're really hard to get and then balance mm. from there, like actually get some in space and then work from that point because, and I don't think that we've been through quite a bit of changes on the distribution stuff now too. Like the LP offers were reworked recently and, um, Basically, I don't think the pricing stuff or the skill plan is changing much. Like, we've talked with the economy guys about that, gotten it to the best place we can, and I don't think it's going to change much. So I'm like, just now, let's push them to be good enough to be worth this, basically, if they need to be super high-end because they cost a ton and be pretty strong. So be it. Um, All right. I also, yeah, I mean, we'll see how this change goes, but I think, you know, trying to do something like people have have asked for since the beginning adding some utility style bonuses like the trig stuff has like shield rep stuff or just more utility highs in general even though i don't think for a lot of fleet uses it'd be very important i think that totally is fine and and uh if if just this chain thing is never it, it seems crazy to me that it wouldn't be strong um but if it just no matter what we do it doesn't get used you know we can look at the mechanic and see if we can do something totally different with it the ships look so sick, it'd be a real tragedy if we never managed to figure out a way for them to... I think people will use them. So I'm going to predict right now. I mean, obviously, there's already some alliances that work towards it. I think Horde is probably the biggest um, alliance. I think Test have also pushed for it a little bit. And you, like, you saw two fleets at least, right? The problem is also like everyone knows they are hard to get so um you know if they show up on a on a chaotic battlefield they might just be primary right and they don't have an adc so that's why people are probably a little bit more careful when to use them even though they knew they would know yeah. they're strong in this situation they would probably still be careful with it um yeah. but i'm gonna predict that you know you'd see them uh like very soon especially now with that buff like to jump to 10 targets instead of five um, yeah. you know, this is certain, I, really, I, you know, I don't know how this buff will go, but I'm super happy about this buff because I feel like what people have asked for since the beginning is tried to push them more towards being like other ships, like make their hit on the first target good enough that it's just like an eagle, except it also has some bonus damage. Uh, and that seems really boring to me. I really want to push. Yeah, I really want to push it into the AE mechanic just so that it's separate. Um, and, you know, this... This makes it so that, like, one of the most common complaints is, uh, or another another solution and complaint is that since you can't pick the targets, you waste a ton of damage on drones um, or other whatever you know things you don't want to be shooting. And so yeah, the maybe. what people always ask for is like more control over what you're shooting. And I like this much better. Like you just hit more stuff, <laughs> so it doesn't matter that you hit some drones because you also hit five ships anyway. Yeah, and so Kiromanza says hex are better than Edencom ships big time. You know, that's oversimplified because if you if you say 10 versus 10, 
Yeah, 100%. Those hacks will murder those income streams. Whenever you talk about like 200 versus 200, I think then each shot has the potential to almost alpha even a hack. So then you run into like a real problem because not t like nine other guys. Is it is it one plus 10 or is it 10 total? I don't it's plus 10. I think it's right? 10 total. Actually, I don't remember. No, it's 10 total. It's 10 total. All right. So it's like nine other guys take damage too. And over time, that will accumulate. And then people will ADC, which is a problem for Hex if they ADC too early, you know. And then that problem uh, snowballs quickly, I I think. I mean, my, I, I'm not sure, but I feel like if if you could put a Stormbringer on field, like if it, say it had no additional skill requirements like just had a, a, like a faction like it just needed Keldari and Galente Cruiser 5 or something no additional skill requirements and then the ships were like 300 mil each or 250 mil you each would total see the, these all day. I think yeah you would see them all day already yeah yep. that's why I've been reluctant to turn up the power a lot because on paper they're already good enough but at yep. the price they need to obviously I think they need to justify move. costing a lot so yeah, we'll see. Gotta, gotta be careful, right? Sometimes the statistics say, like, oh, these are complete shit, but they're not, right? They're really not. Yeah. So, like, one little uh, change can just change everything. Like, if, for example, the the um, the economic team says, like, hey, let's, you know, we can make them super cheap, and then they are three three them, everyone would just fly them, right? Yep. I mean, now. Goblins will be mad because he paid good money for the for the ones he has already. <laughs> I mean, we're not gonna. I think now the price is probably not changing much. Yeah, I don't even know what the price is actually for cruisers. Uh, for the cruiser, it's probably around the six hundred, seven hundred mil mark, right? Some, something around that. And for the frigates, like maybe two hundred, two fifty. Honestly, I don't even know. That's been a, a yeah. I mean, and, and that's not even you know that's not even with all the like the specialization books and stuff are really expensive. Yeah, yeah. The cruisers, the cruisers, four fifty for the ship, and then the gun is probably the ammo prices were the ones that were like crazy actual, but like the gun is one hundred fifty. So you're paying you know six hundred just for the fit at least without ammo. Um, uh, so six fifty is like a realistic thing, maybe total package. Which is, you know, it's yeah. probably it's probably getting there. I don't know if it's getting cheaper or whatever, but it's probably like getting in, into the area where, where I would say, like, yeah, if you can field a bunch of them, right? like a the really big the field. damage mods are almost a hundred mil each too, mm. so mm. probably more like pushing eight hundred, yeah, per ship. But eight hundred is like uh, that's a little bit too much, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna but, guess we, we'll see them more and more, and then. You know, maybe there's going to be that one magical fleet that gets wiped out by them and everyone's going to switch. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. We've seen that before, that the meta, you know, that's also another thing that, like, I think a lot of people that are not TOG crafters, they don't realize sometimes the meta takes a long time to change. Like, so, yeah. for example, I always say, talk about, like, Stukas, right, when we first started flying uh, a lot of, like, MGD stuff. We started flying MGD stuff really early on, like, on day one, really. But we had to figure it out for a long time before it really became effective and like people said, like, okay, now it's OP. It took us like, I yeah. don't know, a year to, to get there at least, if not two. And um, I think that can be the, the same for a lot of stuff. Um, people have yeah. always takes, to be aware of takes, that. 
takes a lot of time for people to, especially with something like this with a huge skill requirement, it takes a lot of time to get just the option to run it, and then you have to prove that it's good, <laughs> which might take the right situation or yeah, the right yeah. prep or whatever before people really start paying attention. And in this case, like I said earlier, like if you show up with a fleet like that, you might just get primaried. And then on paper, it looks like a disaster because you lost everything, right? Yeah, you might have killed yeah. some stuff, but like for that price tag, you certainly are primary probe. Yeah. So, but as much as I like that excuse, having a ship in the game for or a line of ships, you know, in the game for whatever it's been now, year and a half, a year maybe, without it being adopted in like serious terms anywhere is not good. Yeah, I mean, it's a straightforward new ship, right? While the command destroyer thing, I think that was like a ship that it wasn't supposed to be in that role, if you know what I mean. Like, it wasn't supposed to do exactly that. There was other roles that was already adopted for, right? So it's not like, um, you know, it was yeah. completely unused. I mean, a lot of the lesson for me for Command Destroyers and Trig stuff versus Edencom is, and it's tricky, but like the more general or the more um, like versatile something is we introduce, the more likely it is to get adopted, which seems obvious, but I think sometimes it's tempting to say, if we make something where we have a really clear purpose in mind, like we know exactly what this is meant to be for, that adoption will be good. But that's pretty like high risk because it makes the adoption like really on off. Like if it doesn't succeed at that one thing that you meant it for, then it's not going to be anywhere. Whereas with trig stuff, we said, well, maybe this will be good in wormholes. Maybe this will be good in uh, small scale stuff, faction warfare, uh, yeah. other small scale roaming. Maybe it'll be good in, you know, for ganking caps, whatever. But there's all these potential applications and that gives you the, let you know, much likelier chance that at least some of them end up coming true. Whereas, like, if if Edencom stuff isn't good in large fleet engagements, I mean, we have two basically hopes for it. Large fleet engagements and PvE, and certain kinds of PvE, basically. If it doesn't succeed in one of those, it's done. And, um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, a big argument for making stuff that's at least viable solo or small scale in some way, because there's so many different options there, whereas fleet is a little more restricted um yeah which yep. kind of goes back to what i was saying about new ships too like the you know i'd love to make some some more general new ships and i think we've avoided that because the the super general like tech one ship you know between cruisers and battleships is so saturated with stuff that it's hard to put new super general ships in there but i think we could find enough difference to do it and then have something that's more like trick where there's all kinds of places to use it which is more fun than something like an Angel Titan, which has just like really narrow. <laughs> you know, but appeal. one thing I always talk about when it comes to like Titans and all that stuff, and uh, probably people are getting sick of me saying it, but they, are, they shouldn't just be like bigger ships, more EHP, more DPS, more whatever, right? They should uh, like have special roles and all that stuff. And I think that's like, you know, that's probably the direction they should go towards like i don't know you could do something with wormholes with them you know that they can keep open wormholes or like they could do like disrupt gates who knows right like you could do all kinds of weird shit with them uh and i bet like if you would like just say like hey anyone got any ideas and you put that on reddit you're gonna get some fucking crazy ideas <laughs> so i think it, it, it's not gonna you know you're not gonna run out of ideas for that kind of stuff so sounds uh, like a great way to do Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, no, no, sure no, I don't suggest doing it. For us to be like, hey, Reddit, have any ideas? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, technically, the idea behind Reddit is like the most upvoted stuff should be the good stuff, right? So you don't have to read every comment, right? That's how I approach Reddit anyway, and I think everyone should. Like, if the title is interesting, click on it, read the first comment, maybe the second one. Don't go any deeper, right? Stay away from it. Right? That's... <laughs> It's yeah. true, except for when people are really mad, then you can read to the bottom to find positive people, which I end up doing. Yeah, you do that sometimes. You're like, oh, there must yeah. be one. When there everyone must hates your change, if you go all the way to the bottom, you can find people who like it. <laughs> You're digging for that one guy. Yeah. And then like a hero, he's like, hey, I, I kind of like that this. Guy. Yeah. yeah. All righty. Hey, we did uh, an hour and a half. And I think... Yep. Uh, I think we went through most of the stuff. I did kind of want to bring up Zekel and the Discord stuff, but like, I think we're going to have you uh, on again since that's yeah. a general thing. Next anyway, time, next time when you're that. happier, so we don't have to well, get I'm so heated, you know? You know. But, but it's always a pleasure too... regardless. <laughs> I'm not too mad. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm a little disappointed, but yeah, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's... will fix it. So I know it's coming from a good place. Right. That's all. It is. I know That's you try at least to do we, your best. We want yeah. the game to be fun and active and exciting for hunters and exciting for farmers and just doing our best. And we'll keep tweaking stuff, especially the, um, you know, this. I, I didn't want to like uh, drop all of it, but we're basically realized we have some some pretty good opportunity to do follow-up stuff from these last three patches really quickly so we'll do sometime in the next month probably a patch that just like like stuff like the um the cloak duration like picks up a bunch of those things from the nullification update the black ops update and the um observatory update and just does like a first set of tweaks and all that stuff so that should be coming like in the next couple weeks hopefully all right then um I'm glad I know there's uh, someone uh, doing stuff who actually gives a shit about the game. So thank you for that. And uh, uh, everybody, everybody gives a shit. All the uh, I know. All the all the folks I work with care very, very much. But and I'm and I'm glad to hear that. I'm really. And Sigler's in chat. Sigler's another good one that I know for sure. He's doing his best. Even if we get mad sometimes, you guys just like you know. I think you guys know, like, it also comes from a good place. So um, yes, of course. Thanks for coming. Wouldn't be on. here. Wouldn't be here if that if that wasn't the case. But, All right. Yeah, it's good to chat and uh, reach out after uh, after that follow up patch and keep talking. All righty, uh, and the guys on stream, thanks again for hanging out and um, see you guys on the next one. I'd say. Bye bye.